Sit down, Tom. Yeah, we honor our fathers. We bring them up here and tell them how useless and worthless their day is. My gosh. Ah. Well, happy Daddy's Day. How many of y'all called your father, Father? If you did, raise your hand. How many called your father, Daddy? Raise your hand. Happy Daddy's Day. I don't know why they call it Father's Day. I guess they're trying to be... Oh, snazzy. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to get into the Word today. We're going to go back to, I want to go back to the first man. Go to Genesis, my first scripture in Genesis. The first man, Adam. He had one job, take care of the garden. He had one rule. Don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. Tree of knowledge, right? Because if you do, you're going to die. So, just off the top of my head, I'm just thinking, if God told me, take care of the garden, but don't eat anything off of that tree or you're going to die. I would move to the other side of the garden so I wouldn't even see the tree. It wouldn't even be a temptation. It wouldn't even, nothing. Now God told this to Adam, correct? But he didn't tell it to Eve. But Adam told Eve because she knew You see, God told Adam, don't eat from that tree before he ever created it. So, here we go. Eve knew. God knew. Adam knew. Everybody knew you can't eat from that tree. So here we go. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, see, she saw it. If they'd have been on the other side of the garden, she would have never seen it. Sin has this magnet that kind of pulls you to it, doesn't it? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruits and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Who ate first? I just want to say it. Who ate first? Oh, the tree was good for food. It was desirable. Who was it? But whose fault was it? See, we go back to this, this, this spiritual concept that the man is the head of the household. In, in the best case scenario, that's true. But what if you got a husband that's not unsaved, like Ginger did when, when, when we were married? I wasn't the spiritual head of anything.
But that's not the way that God designed it. So we couldn't live our best life because we weren't in line with what His Word says from the very first chapter. We've got to be in line with that. I don't rule over her. We make decisions together. I respect her. She respects me. That's the way we do things. But I am the spiritual head of this union. I am responsible for everything, even what she does. Amen, Pastor. That's good preaching. can that be? How can I be responsible for what she does? Let's just keep going. What's my next scripture in um, Genesis? So when they ate it, they saw that they were naked, and they went and they hid from God. God said, hey, where are y'all? They didn't answer. Where are y'all? All right, we're here. Well, come out, I need to see you. Oh, well, we're naked. How did you know you were naked? Who told you? And God asks you a question, I promise you, He always knows the answer. He's just trying to make you see it a little bit stronger than you. Anyway. So, anyway, told Him what happened. And God said, why did you do it? You had one rule. One. I give you one. That's not exactly what He said, but that's, it sounds, that's the way I would have said it. If I'd have been God. How stupid can you be, Adam? You had one rule. Why didn't you move to the other side of the garden? You idiot. That's what I would have said. He said, so anyway, he said, what'd you do it for? This is what Adam did. All right, this is the first, uh, well, it's just classic. Then Adam said this, he said, the woman whom you gave me ate of the tree, and then I. It's your fault, God. You put her in my life. She did it. She did, the woman you gave me was responsible. Adam. Go to verse 17. Here we go. Then to Adam, God said this. He said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree which I commanded you. You shall not eat it. Cursed is your, cursed is your ground for your sake. And anyway, the, the fall of man, the curse came upon mankind. Why? Because Go back. Because you heeded the voice of your wife instead of the voice of God. What she did, you're responsible for, and you're going to take account for it. To follow a man, to curse, all of those things. Eve saw something, she wanted it, she did it, and then he did it. And then God said, why? Well, she, the woman you gave me, she, you, gave her, you gave me her, so it's your fault. Or it's her fault. 
It's not my fault. It doesn't matter whose fault you want to call it. It's the man. It's the father. It's the daddy's responsibility to know what's going on in his house. It's his responsibility. He must take account for what happens to his family. We'll see what the New Testament says about it. Yeah, I, 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 is it already 11.15? I didn't even got to my first one. All right, all right. Go to, go to uh, Romans. This is what Romans says about it. Therefore, just as through one man, not one woman, not one child, by one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Just as through one man sin entered the world. Just as in one man sin enters a family. You're responsible for what you have in your house. You're responsible for what your children watch on TV. You're responsible. You're responsible for everything that goes on in your house. You will make an account for it because Adam did. Adam made an account for his family. You're going to make an account for your family. God's going to ask you one day, did you raise your children in a way that was pleasing to me? Yes or no? We make it, the fathers make an account, not the mothers, Ginger. The fathers make an account to God for the family. Problem is, if it wasn't meant for women in the last 50 years, there wouldn't be a church in the United States of America. Women have carried it. And that's not the way God intended it. It's just men drop the ball. We all know the figures. You know, when, when the father gets saved first, 93% of the time, everybody in the household gets saved. But if the mother gets saved first, that number is cut down to 13%. Of children. See, we, God kept expressing how important this was, and now we're seeing it in the church on the opposite end of what God said the way it should be. Men have to carry this. Men have to carry the message. Men have to do the job. They have to stand up, take an account for their family, take an account for their community, and take an account to live their life in a way that's pleasing unto God. Mine. Okay. You're accountable for everything in the house. I got it. I got a great story. It happened in Haiti before the big earthquake and everything. You know, Haiti's a very poor nation. And this guy had a really nice house in Haiti. And this guy kept trying to buy it from him. He was willing to pay him $10,000 for it. That's a a fortune in Haiti. $10,000 for his house. He said, I don't want to sell my house. The guy bugged him and bugged him and bugged him. and So the guy decided he was going to travel for a while. So he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sell you my house under a few circumstances. One, you can't sell it back, you can't sell it to anyone but me. And you can't raise the price any higher 
then you're paying for it. I said, okay, I can live with that. It's okay. He said, oh, but wait a minute. By the way, he got a big old nail, a hammer, and in the kitchen on the wall, he hammered that nail, stuck out about that far, and he said, I always own that nail. You can't touch that nail. I can come in that house anytime I want to, and I can do anything I want to do to that nail. He said, a nail? Sure, deal. So he made a deal. Years and years and years went by. Then the great earthquake in Haiti. And this guy's house is unharmed. So he goes back to the guy and says, all right, I want my house back. He said, well, you know, you said that I can't sell it to anybody but you. You didn't say I have to sell it anytime, I want, anytime you wanted it to. He said, okay, I'll be back. He, leave, he leaves and he comes back and he finds a dead dog. He takes that dead dog and he walks into man's kitchen and he hangs that dead dog on that nail. And he said, call me when you're ready to sell. A few days went by, what happened? The guy got his house back. See, he was, he was responsible for whatever was in that house, and he gave over his responsibility to somebody else, and they took it from him. That's what happens when you don't take responsibility for what's in your house. Fathers, daddies. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put this up. Very, I'm not going to make this a very hard point because I preached it a while back. Y'all remember I talked about inherent sin? Anyway, sin that you have inherited, sin that comes upon you that's not your fault. Inherent sin. Well, that's not possible. Yes, it is. The, the, the sins of the or passed on to the ch children for four generations. I've heard, I've heard friends, uh, I've, I've friends, I've heard people say, I was born like this. I was born with these tendencies. Yeah, you are. But God didn't do it to you. Your granddaddy, your great granddaddy, or somebody did something. People are born with tendencies because of their bloodline. Why? Because of inherent sin. It's not, it's not in the genes, it's in the spiritual realm that these things carry over. Addicts produce addicts. Alcoholics produce alcoholics. Abusers make abusers. On and on and on and on. So what I'm saying is, live your life in a way that your children and grandchildren don't begin with a deficit before they're ever born. That's how I'd be a good father. All right, God judges men, right? 
But if we go back to Adam, the first man, if he did it with the first man, he's going to do it with the last man. It's all going to be the same. God judges men. But he judges men of two, two things. One of them is faithfulness. Can't be faithful unless you've got faith, for one. What, is it, what, what does everybody want to hear when they get to heaven, right? Well done, my good and faithful servant. I think a lot of people are going to get to heaven and God's going to say, you barely made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of well done, you're going to hear, well, what you done? We believe that God is this magical being that we pray to when things go wrong to make our life easier. Do you actually believe that's a, 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 a real relationship? I'm in a relationship with my wife. I'm in a relationship with my children. I live my life for them. They don't live their lives for me. Did y'all get that? I mean, God the Father is the perfect Father. If you want to do things right as a Father, do things His way. It's, just, it's a simple process. Y'all know, you remember the parable of the talents? He gave one five, one three, and one... I can't remember the numbers. Was it five, three, and one? Okay. Gave one, one guy five talents. The guy invested it. He got one guy three talents, he invested it, gave out one talent, and he, he buried it so he wouldn't lose it. After a period of time, the guy came back and came to the one guy, the guy that he gave five, and he said, I've, I've doubled it. Here. Gave it to the other one. He said, he said, I have doubled it. The other one said, well, then he started talking. The one that didn't do anything, they've always got excuses. The most unproductive people run their mouth all the time. Very productive people don't, don't talk that much. They're doing things. They're getting stuff done. So the guy that buried his, he said, well, I buried it because I know that you're a harsh man. And he started going into all that and started talking and talking and talking and talking. And he said, what did he tell the guy? He said, you're wicked, you're wicked. But what did he tell the other ones? Well done, my good and faithful. So what you're faithful over, faithful over your family, faithful over your wife, faithful over your children, faithful over your relationship with God. Because that relationship, whether you, there are going to be some people here who don't like hearing this, but I'm telling you it's the truth, and if you don't believe me, I'll show you in the Word all over it. The most important relationship in your life is not with your wife. It's with your God. Because if you don't have that with God, you're not going to have it right with your wife. Every time somebody comes to us for marriage counseling, every time, oh, we're having a problem doing this. All right. I want you to fast for three days. 
I want you, what? Well, we got to get you right with God before we ever get you right with your wife. In your word? What's your prayer life like? I know I'm, I'm having problems with my wife, not with God. That woman's running me crazy. To get your right life right with God, I promise you things will work out. She'll see you in a different light. You'll see her in a different light because you'll be seeing her through God's eyes instead of your lustful ones. Come on. Mm. I really didn't expect this to be very good. I really didn't. No, I'm joking. I expect it to be better than we want, but it is. All right. The other way. I'm, I'm, I'm running time. Ah. God gives me to a faithfulness in what? What you put into action, what you put into motion, something that's going to carry on long after you're gone. What do you leave behind that's going to grow? Your fruit that remains. A little over 20 years ago, we went to Mexico, a little tiny church. Man, they had, how many people they have? 30? Maybe 30 people. It was Bill Baptist Church, and man, it, yeah, and it's just, it was tiny. But we, as a church, we supported them. That church is now running around 500, and they started another church, and they're running around 800. Uh, we've built that other church as well. That's part of your ties, built that church. Um, Got another church in Mexico being built that's the largest Mayan church in the world. We're building it too. We're building 16 churches in the Okavanga Delta in Botswana this year. Next year we're gonna tr we're gonna shoot for over 30. What you put into motion. What you put into your motion. What you put into motion as an example to your children is going to remain. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have been for my dad. I had a great dad. I know everybody didn't have a great dad, but I did. And he put a lot of things into motion. He, he would take kids, duck hunt, squirrel hunt, Coached ball. He was constantly involved in the lives of young men. And I can name you six pastors that he brought up and led to the Lord. Dozens of deacons and elders. What he did, you know, all of those years ago is still going. And for every one of those people that gets saved while that pastor is preaching, those six pastors are preaching, Goes to his account. There was a, I'm not going to be able to finish this. There was a, in England in the 1800s, there's an 80 year old pastor, and the church came to him and they, they told him he had to retire. And he said, Why? I don't want to retire. He said, Well, you're 80, and you've had one convert in the last 10 years. And that was 10 years ago. 
They forced him to retire. What happened was he, he mentored that, that, that young boy that was a convert all the way up till he went to college. That boy's name was Robert Moffat. Robert Moffat is the first missionary to break into Af- break into get into Africa. He was in the, in the, what's modern day South Africa and Botswana. That's where he did most of his missionary work. And uh, he he came back to England, and uh, he he went to, he went to preach at this church, and he made a statement. And it's a statement that has changed the entire world. He said this. He said, I've seen the smoke from a thousand fires that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a young medical student in that, in that room, and it set his heart on fire. It changed his life. He, just, he, he was bound to be a missionary in Africa. He was a, almost a doctor at the time. And... Uh, Guy's name was David Livingstone. David Livingstone mapped Africa. He was an explorer. He he was a a, 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 a missionary, the the greatest missionary probably since the Apostle Paul. He fought slave trading. He mapped Africa on foot. That's crazy. He found Victoria Falls. He, He... I mean, this, the, the, the list goes on and on and on. How many millions of people got saved because an 80-year-old man toward a young boy? What you put into motion. Fruit that remains. Rob, that, that old man... I mean, I don't think I know anybody on the planet that's going to have a greater reward in heaven than that old man. Isn't that something? It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. What you put into motion? Gosh, I've got a lot of stuff here. I'm going to do something. I'm going to make one more point. Ginger told me this the other day. I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And... uh a father can't be a brother. A father can't be a brother to a sister or a brother to a brother. You can't do that. You can't be friends with your, with your children. Come on. I, I know I may be stepping on some toes here, but come on. You can't, you've got to be a father. That's what you're called to be. That's what you're commanded to be. You're not called to be their friend. Joel and I are finally friends. Kind of. <laughs> but I'm his father. We were having a conversation a while back, and he said, he said, he said I'm not talking, I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking to you as a friend, and I'm not talking to you as a pastor. I'm talking to you as a father. I need, I need to do something. You know, and I, I gave him some advice. But, if you try to be their friend, I had this lady, and she was at the house. Joel was, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. And he wanted to go do something, and I, was, I said, no. 
Why? I said, because I said no. I don't owe you an excuse, son. I said no. Did you roll your eyes, boy? <laughs> sir, no, sir, no, sir. This woman says, let that, let that boy do that or whatever. I said, she said, you need to be more friendly to him. I said, I'm not his friend. I'm his father. I'm his dad. I'm responsible to make him a good adult, not to be his friend. And then Ginger tells me, the other day she was, I don't remember how it came up, but she said that you can't be a brother to your, ch to your children. She said, because brothers have sibling rivalries. My brother and I, we compete. Why? Because that's what brothers do. I never competed with my dad because why? He was on another level above me. I would never compete with my father. He's the only person in the world I wouldn't compete with. Joel? Oh, yeah. Joel will never beat me at anything. When he was this tall, he tried to shoot a basketball. I'd slap it away. I just, you know... I mean, ask him. We'd play golf, and, and he was little. We'd play golf, and he'd end up next to the water. And I said, Joel, don't even worry about that water in front of you. Just act like it's dry every time. Because they'd put water in his head, you know. I do think, I, I mean, other than me, who's the most competitive person that you know? Joel. He is. You can't compete with your father, though. You just can't do it. It weakens you. As father, we have to take on the responsibilities of family. Remember this the buck stops with the dad. Just like it did with Adam. It doesn't matter what Eve did, it's your fault. You're responsible. She's under your umbrella, you know? Fathers, we need to do better. We've had five generations of, of fatherless children. It's, it's marriage is optional now. Let's live together for a while, see if we like it. No commitment. No commitment. Fathers, we got to do better. We got to do better. It's our responsibility for what's in our house and what comes out of our house in the form of children. We have to do better. We have to put the most important relationship in our life, the most important relationship in our life. Being a father is secondary to being his son. But to be a good father, you first have to be his son. Amen. Stand to your feet. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you so much for this day. Father, we thank you for, for fathers all across the world. Father, that, Father, that you just reach them. Reach the unreachable, Father. 
We thank you so much for this church, Father, for what it's doing here in, in, in Minden and around the world. Father, we thank you so much that we can be a part of what's going on, Father. We thank you for being able to put these things into motion, Lord. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need any prayer or anything like that, just...